All right. Hey, everybody. I am here with my friend, uh, Chris Askew. Uh, he is the founder of Tilt Marketing and host of TAG, Sales and Marketing Podcast. Did I add enough enthusiasm with that uh, exclamation point? Absolutely, man. Exclamation point is part of the logo, Mark. We're good. <laughs> yep. That's great. You know, you got you to gotta exclaim when you see it. Yes. Um, you know, controversial hot take here. I think a single paragraph of copy should have a minimum of four exclamation points. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I was writing a lot of emails today. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Yeah. I was writing some ad copy and sounds like those those were like angry emails too. Like exclamation. mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, they absolutely were. Yeah. Just full of, full of rage on the higher end scene. Uh, Well, thanks for, uh, thanks for joining. I I appreciate you taking the time to talk to my marketing and design students. And um, I know you'll have a lot of really great information to share with them. But the first thing that I want to know is, how in the hell did you get your start in the marketing and design industry? So um, this is going to be a funny story. Like we way back in the day, like I was actually a youth pastor at a church. And that's actually what I went to college for originally. Oh, okay. The, one of the most um, influential books that I read at the time was Church Marketing Sucks, which was by <laughs> a design firm down in like Texas, I think, that specialized in church branding, church marketing, church design. And it was after that that I started getting into it. Like I was literally part of uh, churchmarketingsucks.com. And I was one of their posters on Flickr. Like I was pretty popular with like the Flickr yeah. group on there like early on like we had a whole huge like community group of all the different like graphic designers that were in mega churches and whatnot and then i eventually said you know what like long story short a whole lot of bull crap happened at church and i was out so then i was like listen like i'm gonna go find a different degree and i went to ysu for uh advertising well actually graphic design and ysu's design program back then sucked balls like it just sucked dude like when i was there like you didn't even touch photoshop until halfway into your junior year and it was all like 2d design it was all like dude you have to have so many like you know actual drawing classes like there was one whole thing where they wanted you to take a whole damn class on how to make rubber like stamps with potatoes and stupid crap like that here i am thinking like this is pointless so i switched over to advertising and I flipped my degree over to business. Now I started doing graphic design. Um, and then I realized, dude, it's just super cutthroat. Pay wasn't that good. You know what yep. I mean? Like it, it was, it's tight, especially in the Youngstown area. This area sucks for that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I switched over to web design and I actually taught myself um, everything off of lynda.com. And I ended up dropping out of YSU because like they just weren't teaching me at the clip that I can teach myself. Right. So I said, screw it. I'm not, you know, paying for my degree anymore. And I could teach myself far more than what you're teaching me right now. And, you know, especially considering you don't even touch a computer to your senior year. Right. So like, I kind of looked at it as an opportunity to, you know, go into freelance and start my business early on. And that's what I did. Like we, um, I purchased my first wide format printer when I was like 21. Mm-hmm. I had a six foot printer in my living room. You know what I mean? I was farming out banners to, every local business designing that, but then also, uh, you know, designing a whole bunch of web pages, landing pages, uh, et cetera. So that's kind of how I started. Um, 
forever ago. <laughs> well, at the risk of putting an age on you, what year uh, did you drop out? Oh, God. I want to say this was 2003. Okay. 2003. It was a while ago, man. Like, I've yeah. been for a couple decades. Oh, absolutely. Hey, absolutely. I mean, I, I've been designing since I was 11. Yeah. It might so, have like, been like 2000 and like 2001. Like, I don't yeah. know. It was a while ago, dude. So I, I, the reason I ask is because I, I appreciate the, the legacy you have there, that legacy history of design and marketing leading into what we're experiencing now, because in the entire span of your career, you've seen such profound and incredible transformations, not only in marketing and communications, but design and the technology that supports all of that. Yeah. Like I remember like one of my first projects was for a large florist in Canfield. Mm. Uh, they're no longer in business. sold out something new. But then um, my first thing that I did for them was um, like a flash based website where they wanted all the animation. Yeah. So it was all based on flash. And then all of a sudden, like, Hey, we realized flash was garbage and was crashing websites left and right. So yeah. after that, I had to learn like HTML five animation, but yeah, dude, we were, I was way back when, you know, flash was still a thing and every business owner in America wanted some stupid animation because it was cool. And mm -hmm. Yeah, man. I was, I was freelancing uh, around, I'd say, so I graduated with my associate degree in 2004. And then from 04 uh, to like 07, like I, it was just all flash websites for me. Yeah. And that's, and I was actually taking on freelance clients that already had flash websites. They couldn't figure out how to manage them, which the technology that Flash was, was great in certain contexts, but it was never great for client delivery, ever. Well, what's really funny is I remember very specifically having a few conversations with business owners saying, you do not want a landing page on your website. Just go to the website. You know, don't click this to enter, you know, like, don't sure. try to yeah. figure out this. And that was like a big thing back then. <clears throat> you know, are you interested in X or Y? And then it would like, right. you to whatever different, part of the website they were on but I think one of the mistakes I made early on was not being self-confident enough with my responses because like I remember just getting owned by owners who just were like we're paying this is how we want it blah 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 mm -hmm. whereas now like I'll sit down an owner and look at them and say I'll tell them that is a bad idea and right. this is why I do not recommend doing this mm -hmm. and if they get adamant I'll tell them now my agency isn't the right agency for you then. Yep. You know what I mean? Because like, if you're not going to follow my instruction and what we know, then I'm not going to work with you because like, I, A, I, I want to work on projects that I'm excited about, not that I feel mm -hmm. pigeonholed into. Right. You know what I'm saying? And like, don't I waste my time, basically. Yeah exactly, yeah, exactly. And not only are you wasting your time, you're wasting your end user's time, your customers. Ugh. Because like, there's so many things like even now, like, yep. oh, okay, so it's not flash landing pages anymore but what is, what is it now it's still sliders like i i'm pained <laughs> by yeah. business owners who still think that this is a good method online mm. and i'm sitting here thinking like dude like think about your attention span do you really sit there for 45 seconds sliding through every freaking thing on somebody's website no right right you're wasting people's time you're wasting design time and that's precious space you know what I mean? So like, it's, it's sometimes like, I think one of the biggest things that I can encourage your students on is 
know how to defend your position. Yeah. You know how to be confident in what you're saying. And even if you get kickback from it, defend it. Because Absolutely. Like in, in reality, like it's better in the long run for that business to make the steps for the customer as easy as possible than it is to satiate the business owner's ego. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, thank you so much for saying that because, you know, one of the conversations I have with my students is the low hanging fruit types of clients, you know, we're, when they graduate, they're going to be facing an uncertain economy where they may decide like, well, in order to keep up my skills and to maintain some kind of professional continuation of the work that I'm doing to build a career for myself, I might have to freelance. And that's all well and good, yeah. right? Except um, when you're starting a freelance practice or when you're starting a company, sometimes you have to take on the low-hanging fruit. Yeah. And those are the types of clients that want something for nothing, have unrealistic expectations. You know, what's the phrase? Um, I want the world on a shoestring budget with a deadline of yesterday. Yeah. And I've noticed that, and, and this is giving a lot of maybe too much benefit to these low hanging fruit types of clients, but like, um, I found that as te- the technology that we have access to, makes our lives easier as practitioners. It also makes them a bit more, the clients a bit more sophisticated, right? So in the context of of your example, you'd be like, dude, if you don't want to take my advice, that's totally fine. Go on over to Wix.com or Weebly and and build your site and be happy. Leave me alone. I got other things to do. And I don't necessarily want to say that like, like that's necessarily the, I'm not like a go F yourself, like personally. No, of course not. Yeah. But I'm going to stand up for what I believe in. Because Mm -hmm. here's the deal. Like if somebody hands you a shit pie, it doesn't mean you have to eat it. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like you, you have to be able to defend your position and let a business owner, you know, tell them, listen, like the advice I'm giving you, I'm educated for this. I've done it. I have experience with it. And I promise you, if you follow this advice, you're going to get more clientele. You're going to get more conversions. Um, you're going to get more traffic on your site. So therefore, listen, please, I implore you. Yes. You know, yep. I mean? like, you know, and eventually like if it keeps, if they keep rebutting, that's when I have the, the conversation because at that point, dude, we've all had disaster clients, man. Mm. You know what I mean? Like I had one guy, like I've fired clients before because I so have I. Yeah. A, a logo design that, you know, he literally wouldn't be happy with anything. And he kept like kicking, you know, um, change after change after change after change to the point where I was like, I'm, I'm not accepting this anymore. Mm-hmm. And here the guy was having an affair on his wife. He was going through personal stuff yeah. and he ended up getting fired from his business anyway. Like, like they let him go. Wow. You know I mean? So <laughs> you know what I mean? Like there were other issues at play right. that I didn't learn about until later. You yeah. know what I'm saying? So like, I don't know, like, I know that that was probably the biggest lesson that I had learned for myself personally was to understand the value that you do bring to the table. Don't undercut yourself and don't be concerned with the race to the bottom mentality. Yes, I understand freelance is cutthroat, but on the same hand, you know, if you're, if you're competing on price alone, all you're doing is commoditizing what you, what you bring to the table. Right. And you're going to set yourself up for years of failure. 
if all you do is compete on price. Mm -hmm. I, I encourage people all the time, compete on value, first of all. You know, if somebody, you know, if you're trying to book a freelance gig, instead of throwing in, oh, I'll do this, I'll do this, I'll do this, I'll do this, and I'll do this for that price, you know what I mean? Like, instead of, instead of undercutting that, like, add, add value to what you're doing. Like, you know what I mean? Like, don't, right. I don't know, like, take yourself seriously and be confident in what you bring to the table, and I promise you, things will go good for you. And don't compromise. Yes. You know, I, I, I even think now, even if you're cutting your teeth on a freelance practice, you just graduate, still do not compromise. You know, uh, don't be bullheaded, but like, you know, if, if you don't have a good beat on a client and that's an instinct thing that you build over time, I mean, you know, don't do the work for them. You know, well, no one wants to be in an abusive relationship. Here's right. a good, for instance, just recently, I had quoted a website for a company, a manufacturing company that needed 750 pages worth of content, Good uh, Lord. all described, all of their products online, and photography taken for everything. I quoted this out, it, it was over a six-figure project. Mm. So they ended up, you know, saying like, hey, like, we found somebody in Spain to do this for 25000 Will you match that price? No. I don't know. No, A, I'm not going to do that because A, like as a business owner, if I have to hire in other freelancers to work with me on this, which I would have because that's a gargantuan mm -hmm. amount of writing. Massive. Foremost, it's massive. You mean like I'm not going to be able to afford to pay a, a, a decent freelancer to do a good job. Mm -hmm. Now, what's funny is they got their website back and the person who did it in Spain didn't speak English as their primary language. And you can tell with all that writing, you know what I mean? So plus they also did not take any of the product that they were um, selling online and they didn't write it to sell to people. They wrote it um, like engineers, like, like here's all the different um, specs on this item instead of saying what that item does for people. You know what I mean? Like it wasn't, it wasn't marketing. It wasn't written with marketing in mind. It was written with, you know, features in mind, which doesn't sell, you know what I mean? So like, A, they could, yes, I would have been more expensive, but I promise you after looking at the end result, like it's miserable, like it costs your company money. It costs you much more than they would have paid you. Exactly. So here yeah. they are. <laughs> you know, this was probably six months ago, dude. Here they wow. are, and granted, we're, in, we're at coronavirus, so some of it's probably that, but they just laid off a crap ton of people. Mm. And they, you know, I have a friend that works that says they're down 40% in revenue. You know, I'm over here like, dude, like at least you would have had a fighting chance right. had you invested the money early on. Right. So that's what I mean by giving sound business advice and standing by it. It costs me money to say no to that. Mm. You mean, but on the same hand, you have to look at what your time is worth. When you backward calculate out all the time, Dude, I would have been making like eight bucks an hour. You know what I mean? Like I could go to Taco Bell and make that money and right. not have the stress. You know, you know yes, I mean? exactly. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah the, the correlation between your income and your stress, it's like there's some kind of proportional yes. uh, aspect there. I mean, yeah, more money, more problems, right? right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it works both as the person spending and as the person receiving the money. Yes. Yeah. Um, you know, and that, that actually brings up another great aspect that um, I think that some people 
don't necessarily know when they first start. So for example, if it's a designer, they're coming into a situation thinking, I need to make a visual solution for a marketing problem, right? And then it turns into, well, oh, all of a sudden, I'm expected to give them business advice. Yep. And like some of the, a lot of designers don't have that baseline business experience especially earlier in their careers. And um, what did you do to build that experience for yourself? Oh, I still build that experience. My favorite um, book that I read that keeps me up on, you know, design, marketing, branding, et cetera, Harvard Business Review. I swear Absolutely. By it. Yep. I swear by it, man. That's one of the best resources out there to keep yourself fresh. Um, yeah, it's not design centric. Mm -hmm. but it keeps yourself fresh on the business front of things. Right. Which I think is absolutely crucial. So I read probably more business books than I do design books. Yep. You granted I'm the agency owner and I hire out freelancers, but still like, you know, as a freelancer, I highly recommend having that business acuity to yourself. And there's a couple really good books on that, you know, mm -hmm. for designers. Um, I might not have it with me here, but I'll, I'll shoot you it in like an email. Sure. But there was one that I read. Uh, his name is um, Log Logomotive is the company. Jeff Fisher, I want to say is his name. But it's okay. the Savvy Graphic Designer's Guide to Success. That was one of my first business books that I had read as a designer. And it rocked my world because it was 100% about the business side of things. Mm. What do you do for a contract? How do you set up a contract? How do you set up billing? How do you set up billing for clients who are assholes? Because we target. Right. Pardon me if I'm swearing. Am I allowed to on this? Absolutely. Okay. All right. So like I, I have an asshole fee. Like if I determine during the meetings that you're going to be difficult to work with, I upcharge you. I do. Mm -hmm. It's between 20 and 30% more, you know, just for presenting like you're going to be a problem. Right. <laughs> now I'll change that. If it, if I determine that you're easy to work with, Sure. You know I mean? But like, it is what it is. Like it's, it's yeah. something to be aware of when you're quoting and you're doing that. But then that's also another thing. You know, how do you quote out projects? How do you bid out projects? You know, mm -hmm. that's one of the, that was one of the hardest things to figure out early on. But really when you look at like math and what you need to exist as a business, it starts to get easy, but you have to take a real assessment in stock of what your goals are, what your business right. goals are, how you're going to grow. But then that's all business questions that you have to start answering. Mm -hmm. So now once you start answering all those questions, you're going to realize, well, shit, jumping on a Fiverr isn't going to pay my bills. Right. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah, that's not the goal. You know what I mean? Like the goal is to get yourself to a point where you can provide good business advice for a person. Because here's the thing. Like if you're not solving a business problem for your client, dude, you might as well go back to school and finish your business degree. You know what I mean? Because like, like you can't design, um, if you, it's, it's more than just making things look pretty. Like it has to serve some sort of business function first. Yep. You mean, because design without business is just art. You know what I mean? Exactly. Saying? Yes. So, you know, yep. I'm, I always focus on solving the business problem first. What are you trying to do to grow? Who's your customer? Ooh. Who's your target market? Who's your target audience? And then you design for that target audience. You don't design based off of what you think is good or what you think is trending. You mean like if your business that you're dealing with sells to 40 year old moms, 
then you have to design like you're designing for a 40 year old mom. Right. It is what it is. You have to be a chameleon in that respect. And, you know, I definitely don't think that design school right now, it does permit for the opportunity to explore style. Right. However, I don't think students find value in exploring style because once they start to see a trend and how they're designing solutions and then the reinforcement that they get on the grading side of things, you know, uh, it's kind of interesting because then they'll stick to that style. So, you know, when I was, when I had graduated, when I was in school in 2003 through 2005, maybe six, right? So the period of three years, what style was just huge and everywhere? Yeah. Grunge. The grunge design style was everywhere. And it all of a sudden became, well, you know, oh, corporate client? they get a grunge piece. <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, the, there was a part of the world that was designing for the audience, but in art school and design school, it was one style fits all. Yeah. And I, I had an issue with this because not only did I find the design, the, the grunge style very distracting and pointless, yep. it was also laborious. And I blame actually a lot of the, the music industry for doing a deep dive into that style. Yeah. Um, and if you know how it's built, it's, it's all Photoshop work and oh, yeah. brushes and overlays, texture overlays, texture overlays, all high resolution. You need to have a powerful computer to do it. And you know, if you were exceptional at it, like the results were great, but at a certain point it just stopped and the bottom fell out. And now then those, still, yeah. yeah, you'll still see it around. I mean like, but it's contextual. Right. I mean, like where I see it a lot right now is in sports marketing yeah. I mean, or different, you know, NBA teams, NFL teams, et cetera. If you check a lot of their Instagram, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's a lot, or even like dribble some of mm-hmm. the artists who are behind the NFL and NBA, that's what they're producing is it's a lot of like modern grunge. Right. So it's yep. a heavy texture background, you know, it's on ripped paper kind of a thing. Like it's still present, mm-hmm. but it's definitely you know, it's definitely shifted with that modern feel. But again, it's for something that's industry specific that accepts something like that. It's not for corporate right. clients. No, of course not. And it's not even small business clients. It's not nonprofits. Yep. It's like exclusively entertainment and athletics. Mm-hmm. And like, if, if you're good at that style, like, yeah, you found your niche, right? Which is great because entertainment and athletics can generally afford more higher billable hours. Absolutely. <laughs> so yeah. Uh, so, you know, my style, I try to be a bit of a chameleon and that's one of the reasons why I love brand standards manuals because yeah, all yeah. of that stuff is defined. And, um, you know, in design school, I mean, I think for the most part, those principles are being conveyed, but whether or not they're being practiced on the student level to build out that, that roundedness, I, I don't, I'm not seeing it. Yeah. It's either you're a Swiss minimalist minimalist, or you're something else. Yeah. And I think one thing that like, hey, if I could say this to students too, like, because we've worked with some, you know, a bunch of different interns from like YSU, Area Kent, Area, et cetera. But one thing that I can say, like I've seen consistently, even with like young graduates from YSU is like, God bless, you have to get out of that experimental phase. Right. You do. Because like the name of the game in advertising, like in my world, is get shit done quick. 
You know what I mean? Yep. Like, I don't have time for you to play around with a whole bunch of different things. Like it's like, it's gotta be, you know, fast paced. It has to be something that you make a decision, you go with it and stop second guessing yourself. Yeah. I mean, on the same hand, if agency owner or business owner tells you like, you've missed the mark, like, dude, you got to do something else real fast. Right. You know what I mean? But like, that's the biggest thing is I've seen too many students, not lollygag, that's not the right term, but they just take too long in that experimental phase. Whereas like, dude, like, oh Lord, like that's okay if you're doing freelance and mm. you're cutting into your own time, which then cuts into your money that you're making. But if you're working for an agency, like you've got to be quick. Yeah. I mean, if you, especially if you get a job with a big agency, like they demand that because that's all billable hours at that point. Yep. So. It, yeah. And it's an aggregate and depending on where you're at, they may just round up to the yep. nearest tower. So, you know, and if they're charging hundreds of hundreds of dollars an hour, like they're not going to, like, I would say the most detail or a most attention that is paid to anyone or anything in an agency is those billable hours. Yep. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's, that's what keeps the whole thing afloat, right? Yep. So, uh, so let's switch gears for a little bit because I'm curious as to how the coronavirus outbreak is disrupting your work day or your, your work life, work for your clients, et cetera. This has been, um, this has been a, a real fun time. Like, dude, I, I don't feel like I've had time to breathe. Like, yeah. I don't have time to get all the things done that I need to get done. Um, because like, if you want to think about it this way, like so many people are like, Oh, we're out of work, blah, blah, blah. But I've actually found more business leads during this time than any other time, like in the first several months of the year. So like every single business on earth is having to pivot their entire marketing strategy yep. right now on the fly. You mean like a good, for instance, is one of my clients is a, a kickboxing studio franchise. So we've had to take their entire content and translate it into uh, YouTube. You mean to where yeah. they're doing um, all of their workouts instead of one-on-one -on -one in person. Now it's all online. I've had to suspend all of their marketing, all their digital marketing, all of their targeted marketing. And we've had to recreate 100% of their assets, 100% plus add on a layer of visual app, like um, video assets that mm -hmm. we had never even talked about doing for them. So, you know, it, it's, it's, it's been like a, just a giant, the biggest thing I could say is like, this has been just a humongous pivot for so many businesses. Mm. And the good news is for many businesses, man, like you're never ever at another time in American history going to have this many bored eyeballs at home looking for something to consume. Yep. So when I coach my businesses that I work with, now is not the time to step off the gas. If anything, now's the time to pour some gasoline on the fire Absolutely. and actually get more present out there. Mm -hmm. So that's why we've been bu busier. Like I've actually been busier lately than uh, not busy because there's so much to be done. Now, granted, like you can't hard sell. You know what I mean? Like you have to have empathy during this time. But what you can do is you can, you can A, provide sympathy, provide empathy in your posts themselves provide your story of what you guys are going through and share that. Um, yep. You can try to provide any kind of solution that you can for people that are out there. And, and granted, like there's some industries that are just hurt, you know, like my wife runs 
several uh, subway stores in the area. So like that, it's, that's different. You know what I mean? Like restaurant, hotel chains, et cetera. But there's a lot of businesses who are starting to really understand that, dang, we should have pivoted to digital years ago. Oh yeah. I mean, and now it's kind of like emergency mode where they're doing their best to figure out Zoom, where they're mm-hmm. doing their best to, you know, um, say like, hey, like we need extra people to be working on this. Where can we find those people now? So right. digital work and remote work is going to be really ubiquitous over the next month, especially because they just expanded all the shutdowns for a whole nother month. Yep. You know what I mean? So part of me wants to say like, okay, hey, I know this situation sucks, but I think there's going to be some really good lasting positive change because of it. Absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's redefining the nature of work, uh, the nature of types of work, how people work. Um, you know, I think my job is completely remote. I mean, it's ironic. I, my job title is Associate Director of Student Engagement that implies I communicate and engage with students, right? Um, I know I could do it all online actually. So it's, it's just kind of interesting how it shakes out. So yeah, we might see some changes there and we might see some changes on how that affects entry level positions. You know, uh, I could see some of my students working remotely here in Pittsburgh, uh, but they're working for companies in Silicon Valley. Yeah, well, you know? that's, um, that's a, I'm a good example of that. You know what I mean? Like, um, I actually don't consider myself competition with any of our local ad agencies in Youngstown. Right. Like, because I don't have any Youngstown clientele at all. Right. I've got all of my clientele from my podcast and from LinkedIn. It's mm-hmm. all remote. Everything I, I do is remote. You mean, and, and Youngstown is a little bit of a difficult client because like people in Youngstown, because like, it's an older mentality. Yes. So traditional marketing is still something that you have to fight against. You mean like, like I was working for another ad agency and they've had large clients in Youngstown and it was all traditional media spend and billboards still Yep. up to millions of dollars a year. And I was trying to advocate and say, Hey guys, do you realize legitimately the national average for businesses are spending 50% of their budget, at least on digital marketing. Right. You're spending three, 3%. (laughs) That sounds way behind. And not only is it behind in in marketing, but it's also just behind in mentality. Yes. A a big mentality has been, um, I refer to it as AIS, ass and seat. You mean Mm -hmm. a lot of business owners require physical presence in their building for them to, I'll just be blunt about it, micromanage you. Yeah, I mean, that's really what it is. You know what I mean? And, and like, it's that fear of, hey, if you're working remote, then you're not really working. You're just, you know, jerking off playing Call of Duty or whatever, which is <laughs> hard. Right. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, you know, it's that's not the right way to think about it. Um, you know, there's plenty of remote work that's out there as long as you're responsible and you get your stuff done. Right. You know I mean, so other areas get this. Youngstown really hasn't. So I'm very hopeful that this scenario is like a, a shaking wake up call to Youngstown to yeah. adopt standard, like industry standard. I'm not even talking about adopting future stuff. I'm talking about right. stuff that's been popular five years ago, dude. Catch up to the present. Yes. Really? Be okay. yeah. I promise you. <laughs> I promise yeah. you. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I'm with you there. Uh, and, you know, I won't blanket comment that, that position for the whole Midwest, yeah. but there are many Youngstowns mm -hmm. out there, many. Yeah. Um, and that is absolutely a, a dilemma. Uh, so, okay, uh, moving forward. <laughs> so it's, it, the, the coronavirus has kind of disrupted maybe your clients, like you said, but not so much your life, uh, your working life. Uh, so you work remotely, you don't have a brick and mortar uh, nope. shop. Yeah. And I think also that is true, meaning there's going to be more of that. There are going to be more people creating businesses and keeping them out of their houses. I mean, plus public is run out of my office, my home office, which yeah. is where I'm at now. Um, I don't need uh, a brick and mortar place to do good work. Right. And in fact, sometimes the best work is done at home. Dude, I, even when I was working at an ad agency, I got far more done at home than I did when I was at office. Mm -hmm. Because like when you're in the office, you get wrapped up in so many stupid, pointless meetings. Yes. That take yes. Your time, yeah. That distract your focus. But when I was able to be at home, like I was able to write better. You mean I was able to design better because it's a distraction free environment. Right. So I think the mentality that you're less productive at home is like a, one of those, I hate to use this phrase, but like an okay boomer mentality. Sure. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's, it's clearly an old way of thinking that I'm really hoping starts to fade away. And will honestly, like if all projections with coronavirus are on point, you know, this isn't the first time we're going to have a shelter in place. We're looking at probably having another one in the fall, maybe another right. one in the spring next year. If, yeah. You know, we haven't. Yeah. This so like just hey, the beginning, yeah. this, this beginning buckle up buttercup, like business, yeah. changing, whether you like it or not, you know, kind of a scary prospect but you know it's just something that that i think would will determine the resiliency and the adaptability of not only the marketing and design and comms disciplines but those that practice within them yes so if you can roll with those punches as best you can then you'll have a stable career yeah you know however it looks you'll still be in the game well, and it's, it's um, you know, advice I would give your students too, is it's the same advice. You know, everything's not really changed in business. It's just been amplified. All right. Right. So your best bet to being marketable and employable is what? It's knowing more than one thing. So rather than just being a designer, you are probably also going to have to be a writer, you know, a video, video editor. You're probably going to have to know um, interactive design or some sort of web design. Yep. It's literally no different now than it was a year ago. It's just literally amplified. So, you know, the best thing I would say is um, during this time, you know, instead of, you know, chilling out and watching Netflix and watching Tiger King. Go on Which, by the way, would not be popular at all. Right. <laughs> unless it was for this outbreak. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I will totally like add like that is 100% true. Now, like, I'll also add, like, I haven't watched an ounce of it because, like, I'm busy. Like, during this time, like, I'm, like I said, it's been the pivot, like, where I don't even feel like I have time to breathe. You mm. know what I mean? Like, my kid goes to bed at night and I'm still working late at night just to get stuff done. Yeah. So, but I would just encourage you guys, like, during this time when there is downtime, make a decision to skill up. You know I mean, like, yeah. even if you're not learning at your university, there's LinkedIn learning. You know, yeah. like, that's not my official advice because, 
you know. It can be. It can <laughs> okay. roll with it. It should. Yeah, it, yeah. You're not the first person to say it. Yeah. Uh, in fact, I've I've recorded twenty of these, and they've all said it. Yeah. Good. Good. So. Yep. So yeah. Well, uh, we'll go ahead and and stop there. But if if my students are interested in learning more about you and tilt and tag. Um, how can they, how can they learn more? How can they reach out to you, learn more about your firm and, and the podcast? Sure. So first of all, you can reach out to me on every social platform at, um, this is a skew is my screen name. Uh, I'm primarily on LinkedIn. Like that's where I have my largest following. And I invest most of my time. Um, I was put before coronavirus. I was posting almost every day. Now I'm only posting like two, three times a week because I've been busy, but once that settles down, like I'm, I'm gonna get back to regular posting. Uh, my agency is called Tilt. Uh, it's at createdbytilt.com. Uh, my podcast is called Tag, and that is at um, tagteamup.com. You can also find it in Apple, Spotify, Google Play Store, wherever you listen to podcasts. It's, it's a trending podcast now, at least it was for a little while. Um, but that's just tag sales and marketing. Um, other than that, yeah, just hit me up on, you know, Instagram, hit me up on LinkedIn. I'm always accessible, mm -hmm. I'm always willing to try to do my best to educate and teach. That's a big thing that I like. I love having interns. I love teaching people. And like some of my interns that I've used to have in the past are actually good friends now. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's, yep. it's been a good relationship. I've always enjoyed, um, investing in other people because I think, you know, the more you invest in others, not just students. You mean like even like I've been offering during coronavirus time, I've been offering free marketing advice. You mean where it's like, hey, I'm available for a digital Zoom call and right. talking online. And because I know this has been just a cluster of a time and some businesses can't afford it, I'll do my best to invest and to give back to the community by just giving away whatever I can for free right now. Right. Part of that is just to build a relationship. So mm -hmm. Hey, if you want to get in touch, if you want to learn, like I'll help you grow however I can. You know what I mean? Like I'll give you whatever advice that I can possibly give you and uh, we'll go from there. Cool, man. Well, thank you so much for your time. This was amazing. Students don't hesitate to reach out to him. He is very accessible. One day I messaged him at 2.30 in the morning asking him if he thought ice cream was soup. Um, we got into it. He didn't sleep the rest of the day. Uh, no, I'm teasing, but uh, he is accessible. Thanks again, Chris. Ice cream is soup if you let it sit out. So. <laughs> yeah, right? All right. Well, that's a whole other separate recording. Right? <laughs> Thanks, man. Sandwich. Uh, I'm not touching that one. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. We'll talk to you later. All right.